LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with Todd Atkins. <laughs> there it is. It's been a while. It's since been we a while. That. I usually do the intro, but we have a special guest today that, well, you'll see why Chandler's doing the intro. Please proceed, Chandler. Well, we all, we are joined by a special guest and a voice that if you watch college basketball, ESPN, or sports of any kind that you're probably going to recognize as we have Jimmy Dykes with us today. Jimmy, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. It's, it's so good to be on with guys that... You know, huge sports fans like uh, you and Todd are, and you know all the stats and the names and the rosters and all those things. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, for, to help my own preparation from Todd as we talk here today. <laughs> Todd, did you did you fill out a bracket last year for for the NCAA tournament? I can't remember if you did or not. I think I did actually. I came close to winning a couple years ago. With uh, within our <laughs> office, and um, it was a joke. It was a big joke because basically, <laughs> I just play odds on the different numbers, and uh, and that's that's pretty much it. Or Google, uh, you know, a couple people who actually know what they're doing and looking at their brackets, <laughs> deviating slightly because I am a deviant, and then you know, putting it forth as if I have have a dog in the fight. I usually do watch the championship game. And my wife went to Chapel Hill, and so she has indoctrinated uh, our four children to love the Tar Heels. Um, so, yeah, it's it's probably a good thing for them that we didn't have a tournament this year. So there you go. That's that's the extent of it. Well, that is that is not the way that Jimmy goes about his preparation. And we were just talking about this, Jimmy. You were in Nashville just a few weeks ago, and unfortunately, the SEC tournament uh, was canceled. So, Keats, what did that look like for you? Yeah, it's kind of a surreal time, like the rest of the country. And I was standing in the middle of an empty 20,000-seat Bridgestone Arena, talking to John Calipari while his team was practicing, getting ready to do a game in about an hour and a half on ESPN. And the word came out that our tournament had been canceled. And then for the next hour and a half, I had to do a few things for Sports Center, and then headed back to my home in Fayetteville, Arkansas, like everybody else had been here ever since. And it was a... Man. It was a changing time in our country for that 24-hour period when the NBA canceled and all the conference tournaments were canceled, the NCAA tournament got canceled, and then everything that spun off of it. So uh, it's been a you know it's been a different, odd, surreal time for me, like everybody else, sitting at home, and and but it's also given me a I think good perspective again on my life. I think it's kind of helped me refocus on things that should have priority in my life and, and importance to me and give me time to focus on those things. So like God always does, good thing good things come out of situations that don't maybe start off good or appear to us as good, but I but I, but I know some uh, God will use this in, in a lot of different ways in a lot of people's lives. Well, I know you... Yeah, that's a great... Yeah, I, I know you do have a book coming out, The Film Doesn't Lie, and it really is about you know, taking time to evaluate your life. You use one of my favorite quotes, which is everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. And just talk about like right now, uh, an opportunity for us to kind of almost grieve because we're remembering uh, the life that we have, but it's also an opportunity to 
uh, reflect on on who we are. I mean, being in isolation for this long, if you've got issues, they are going to come out uh, and then being able to refocus our lives. So talk a little bit about um, uh, about the premise of, of this book and, and what you're thinking. Yeah, I wrote it. It took me a couple of the last two summers during my off season to get it written and publishing companies out of Chicago, Illinois, Triumph Books. And they kind of sped up the process so it would be released during this March Madness of 2020 during the basketball tournaments. Uh, and it got off to a great start. It was Amazon's top sellers the first the first week. And but it's uh, the film doesn't lie. And the I guess the common thread throughout that book, guys, is that from a sports analogy, coaches, players, the real real change, real truth, the real evaluation process begins when they watch a film and they see the good on that film. They see the bad on the film. They see areas that need to be improved. And I take that same scenario that's used in the sports world and I take us on a spiritual journey throughout our, throughout this book of being intentional to pause our life, look at it like a game film, let it speak to us, let God's Holy Spirit really kind of reveal where we are and a lot of the crucial areas that I talk about and discuss in the book. And I think it comes at a time where all of us have the opportunity to create that intentional time, intentional space in our heart to let God speak to us. So the timing of the book is perfect in a lot of ways. It's not perfect in some ways because it's the book sits right now in a lot of Barnes and Nobles and, and different bookstores across the country that are closed. But, you know, it's, it's still in the hands of every college football coach in the country has a copy of this book. Every college basketball coach in the country has a copy of the book. I watched God move over a two or three day period and saw and saw how that happened. Uh, so it's, uh, I know it's making a, an impact on people because I think true authentic change, our walk with God goes to a whole nother level when our obedience goes to another level. And that's what, that's what this book is a call to. Rarely do we take time out to actually go back and, and look at the game film, quote unquote, because we're on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So if nothing else for people like me, um, who don't like to stop, who don't like to, you know, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, I'm pretty good with everything except for practicing silence and solitude. And that is not, <laughs> not good for me, but, you know, being forced into that, uh, and then having some type of framework to walk through in evaluating, I think is a, is a valuable resource for any Christian or especially any Christian leader during this time. So, so thanks for, for bringing that to us today. Well, I appreciate those words, but I, I, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback from like men's groups, although they're not meeting together, they're still meeting online through Zoom or whatever. And they've chosen this book already to start working through uh, in an eight or 10 week study, however they want to do it. And the feedback I'm getting from them is it's just a real renewing, a, a time to reset their heart, reset their minds on the pursuit of God in their life, that, that persistent pursuit of God and how important that is. Uh, and I, I've seen it in my own life. I, the, the book was a very challenging thing for me to do because as an author, when you start digging into and discussing things like making sure you don't have unforgiveness in your heart and 
the power of your words that you're using every day uh, with, with, with your wife, with your family, with those closest to you. Uh, the, 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 the importance of having non true non-negotiables in our life and the time we're spending with God. When you start digging into those things as an author and having to challenge your own heart, then I, it certainly took me to a whole nother level in a lot of those areas. I wrote about things that are real issues for all of us. And that, that persistent pursuit of God is so important. I think it has to be intentional. I, I know it has to be, but if you, if you really cling to that promise, drawing near to God and he will draw near to you. Man, that's a beautiful thing in our life, but it has to be followed up with follow through with fight with faith to make sure that you are drawing near. And there's, there's, so there's a responsibility for that for all of us as believers. We have our part to do in that. And this book, I think, draws us back to those moments of being intentional in those areas of our life. Yeah, I think of 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. And just what you're saying, man, watching that game film of your life, having to, even as you're writing that book, I'm sure that is a lot of self-evaluation and the Lord is doing a lot of work. So appreciate you taking the time to write the book. And I know it comes out of a lot of your own, your own journey. So if, if we all have a lot of time right now and without sports, so make sure to pick up a copy as it will be, it will be helpful if you're listening. Well, let's go ahead and get into our uh, our first question, and, and that is, who are you currently learning from? Yeah, that's uh, man. I think that's first of all. I think it's important to be able to answer that question because if you can't answer that question, that means you're not learning. You're not intentional about your learning. So, for me in my life, I, I I'm so blessed to be a part of the ESPN family, and that puts me in. In, in front of a lot of different people. Uh, a lot of coaches you know, are, are actually mentors of mine, guys that I appreciate the consistency in their life, how they, how they live it, um, how they teach it, how they exemplify it. Uh, when I'm around them with their team, I think of a guy like Rick Barnes, a head coach at Tennessee, I, I learned a ton from him. He and I have developed a tremendous friendship relationship over the last two or three basketball seasons. Uh, I, I learned from him in our text message exchange that we have between one another, the challenge that he puts in my life. Hopefully I've put the same different challenges in his from time to time. Um, a guy like Conzo Martin is a head coach at Missouri, head coach, basketball coach at Missouri. He and I are pretty consistent with uh, challenging each other in those areas. Gus Malzahn, the head football coach at Auburn has been a long time friend of mine. I hired him, when I was an athletic director in high school in Arkansas 25 years ago, I hired him as my football coach and to see God, him and, and grow him up and the platform he has. Um, and then I, like everybody else, I, you know, there's a, a, a very close friendship group of mine, the four or five guys that I trust to be in my ear. I'm very intentional about how big that group gets uh, because I just don't open my ear to anybody. I want to make sure that guys that are, in my ear and influencing my life and impacting not only my ears, but my heart and my words, and my lifestyle. I learned from those guys and there's four or five of those local guys here that I stay connected with on a consistent basis. And then probably like everybody else, like the people listening right now through different podcasts. I'm a big fan of, a, of listening to those through my own local church here in 
Northwest Arkansas, uh, different pastors around the country, Kyle Eidelman up at Southeast Christian in Louisville, Tony Evans, just, just different people. But to answer the question again, it's important to be able to answer that question because if you're not learning, you know, I have certain guys that are on that list and that's probably means that you're, uh, you're, you're stuck in neutral and that's not a good place. Well, two, two of those influences that you shared about right there are definitely speaking uh, <laughs> my, my love language a little bit. Uh, I'm, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, so Tennessee sports have always been a big part uh, of my life. And I got to see Conzo Martin coach and then also Rick Barnes now at the University of Tennessee. And it's been an awesome experience to see the way that they've led their teams, not just in a, in a sports mindset, but also you know, bringing in that spiritual aspect as well. So I would love to hear, cause especially with your, you're around sports a lot, you're around college basketball and just sports in general. How, how do you see faith? And especially with, with Rick Barnes and these, these influences, Gus Malzahn and these, these coaches being able to lead young men and women through sports. Like what does the platform of sports allow for you to be able to kind of share your faith with others? How have you seen that play out? Well, I think if you're a head coach, obviously you're, you have immediate impact hour to hour with everyone that's on your staff, those student athletes that you coach. And I think the, 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 those actions that you lead with every day just speak volumes right now. And it's, it's, it's actions, it's word choice, it's tone choice. It's, it's hard love, true love, accountability, all those things, but at the end of the day, it's how consistent are you in those areas? And I think the word toughness is probably the most commonly used word on any college campus right now involving sports. There's so many coaches place tremendous value in that word. I, I wrote a whole chapter in my book on what I think toughness looks like today or should like for us, look like for us as believers. Probably the most second important word is consistency. And I think those guys are making an impact the most are doing it because they are consistent in how they love others, how they treat others, how you see God working in their life through the highs and the lows, the good, the bad, the frustration, whatever. Uh, and I, 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 those guys that I mentioned, uh, I tie that word consistency to them when I start talking about them. And I, I that's how I want the, the, guys in my life or people in my life to view me as well. I think it's important that my wife views me as consistent in, in who I am and the foundation that I stand upon every day in front of our family and leading this family. Uh, but, and just like those coaches have a huge platform with their team, I have a huge platform because of those four letters, E S P and N Man, they give me a big platform. They, they open a lot of doors for me. And because of that, I know God has given me a chance to be consistent in who I am and, and who I say he is, more importantly than who I am, but consistent in who I say he is. And that just comes from my actions, how I am, how I, per, how I perform my job, who I am on the road, staying consistent, making sure that matches up with who I am when I'm at home in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and that's probably the best way for me to, to answer that question. Yeah, that's a great answer and a great reminder for all of us. So I know we're talking about kind of this is a definitely a different season for all of us right now. And uh, 
you know, March Madness should have just wrapped up. We should have been watching college basketball, and that definitely kind of threw threw a wrench into your plans and all of our plans. But what is what is the main point of emphasis for you right now during this time? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, th- this is my typical off season. I mean, the final four would have been, I guess, a little over a week ago. So I'd be in my off season mode right now. So for the for me, that means even more time of intentionally being engaged with my family, staying on top of my workload that I need to manage during the off season. But, you know, this is kind of my time, like maybe all of us are experiencing right now that I get re-engaged with my family. I, I, I get re-engaged with my uh, time alone with God. I, I try to get quiet, let him speak to me about what's next in my life what areas I, that he wants me to maybe play, pay greater detail and attention to. So um, I just know in my own home right now that uh, praying with my wife and daughter, uh, not for them, there's a difference, but praying with my wife and daughter, our daughter's 14, is a non-negotiable in my life. And that's, that's if you just watch 24 hours of my life, you would see that that's a non-negotiable and I've seen it change our family dynamic. I've seen it change how my wife views me as a spiritual leader. I've seen it change how my daughter is starting to look at what she's going to value in her future husband someday because those eyes are on us all the time. And I've seen the difference that it's made in, in guys that I've encouraged to do and have gotten feedback from them. And I'm very intentional about that. We do not start our day without praying together as a family and I'm the one leading that prayer. And at first it was maybe a little uncomfortable and a little, maybe a little awkward for me, maybe even for them, but man, quickly God took that away and it became a great bonding time in terms of making sure as a family, we give God the right space and time in our life and give him the right priority and sending him first. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's huge. Um, I think my own, quiet time alone with God right now is, is crucial. It always is, but especially when I have more time to, uh, to do it and be intentional about it and just let God speak to my heart in, in, in terms of what's an area that maybe he wants me to have growth in change in fix whatever word you want to describe it, but that's an important time. And then probably the other time in my day is, being intentional about my time to learn, to study, to listen. I kind of touched on that earlier, that the intentionality of learning every day is crucial. And if, if not, you're not only you're stuck in reverse, you're probably backing back down the hill in the wrong direction. So those, I guess those are three things that I really focus on in my day right now. Well, being that, uh, that, you know, those are kind of the, the couple of things that you have to do every day. Um, you know, to stay sharp. I have a, a different question that I'm going to throw in here. And, and that is, you know, obviously uh, you've, you've coached and you've done, you know, commentary now for, for a long time. Um, when you look at uh, leadership, leadership, life and, and sports, um, how important is it to be able to receive feedback and, um, and critique and do something with that. Because as leaders, 
you know, the higher you go, and I, I'm assuming the same as in sports, the higher you go, the less people are likely to give you um, honest feedback. Yeah. So how do you um, seek that out? And then how do you also deliver that as a coach? Because you're on, you, you've, you know, you've been on both sides of that. How do you receive it? And then, and how do you make sure that you're doing that well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I've been on podcasts all across the country. It's the first time that one's been asked. I think it's, I think it's of great value uh, because you're right. If you're a leader right now in any form that that looks like, and you, and if nothing else, you're the leader of your home. Uh, but certainly you're a leader if you're a pastor or a coach or a, a business leader, owner, all, all those things that, that fall under that leadership umbrella. Um, and you're, you're spot on. The, 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 the higher you get, the less likely people are to um, be brutally honest with you at times. And certainly I think the best leaders make sure they have those people around them and they're, and they're working through that in the right way. Um, I remember writing in my book that uh, the Toronto Raptors, when they won the NBA championship, one of their themes that year was was to not avoid the elephant in the room. And that worked for everyone in the organization to make sure they have clear communication in anything that's popping up on their radar and not letting things just kind of get swept under the rug and ignore. And I think you have to do that and be intentional about that. Uh, the higher up the chain you are, in any area of your life. And I, I think that goes back to the heart of my book is the, the intentionality that it takes, the discipline, the, the follow through that it takes to evaluate yourself and be, and let God be the ultimate grader of that film. And I think that's when real change, real growth occurs in someone's life. Um, I, 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 I think Todd, you and Chandler both, I, I think change in life can only go so far. It's as if it's based solely upon our, our own individual grit, our will, our determination, our fight, all, all those things that we have been taught and learned. And they are important. They are important. But I, I just think that real lasting change occurs when it comes from the power of God's written word in our life and letting him change our heart. And that only comes from being submissive to him, being very uh, uh, intentional is still the best word to use about time with him, letting him speak to us. And the closer you are to God, the easier it is to hear his voice and let him whisper to us and nudge us along in what, in, in whatever area of growth that's going to be. And I, I think that's the key to it, man, is, is, is staying quiet and not skipping that step and that should be a basic step for us as a pastor, as a coach, as a leader in our homes, whatever, like that should be a basic step with us is that time alone with God. And I, I, if you've read the book, Tyler Hansbrough, uh, Chandler, you're a, or Todd, your wife's a North Carolina fan. He was a national player of the year for North Carolina back in 2008, I believe it was. I remember talking to Roy Williams one day what made Tyler Hansbrough the national player of the year. And he said, it's because he refused to get bored with the basics because he wasn't the, the, the best athlete, the most talented, gifted, natural basketball player in college ball those two years that he won the national player of the year. But he absolutely wore people out by not getting bored with the basics. 
And man, that just jumped out at me in terms of how does that translate over to our individual life and how easy it is to get away from the basics in our life that we should be on top of every day. And I think that's what, at the end of the day, what changes all of us is just those small things day after day after day after day after day, you stay with it. And, and, and ultimately that's what determines our path as our doorbell rings in the background. Uh, but that's, <laughs> I think that's it, man. I think that's, I think that's the key is just day after day after day, staying with those things that ultimately are going to shape us at the end of the, right. at the end of tomorrow. Well, there, I mean, you know, that's why there are spiritual disciplines. And, um, as, as Christians and Christian leaders, we often embrace the spiritual disciplines, but in addition to the spiritual disciplines on the, the pastoral side to, to keep our hearts, you know, um, softened, uh, on the other side of it is from a stewardship perspective where we as church leaders are called to be stewards as well. I, there's a lot of life disciplines and, and business disciplines and communication disciplines that I think are, are really important too. And we need to see those things, as you just said, as disciplines and understand that, you know, we, we all know things like clarity are important. Um, but if we're not disciplined about that, then, you know, it's, it's sporadic, it's hit and miss. And when we get into a situation like this, where, where, um, clarity and communication is of the utmost importance. And we don't have the opportunity to be with a person face to face. Uh, a lot of the communication is through other means. It's even more important um, to seek things like clarity. I, I wanted to ask you too. I mean, I know you've been an assistant coach for a long time and then you were also a, a coach, a head coach for a long time. Um, what was that transition like? And then um what do you wish you would have known as an assistant coach that you knew as a head coach and, and vice versa? Yeah, I think, um, you know, all of us look back and think, well, I wish I would have handled this differently. I wish I had known now what I known then, what I know now, you know, and so I would say to probably two or three things that jump out to me right now uh, that I've been, I think I just finished my 23rd year with ESPN and man, it's taken me all across the country and, and, and have seen and learned and studied different coaches and great relationships with them and translate that over to my spiritual life and different things. Uh, I, I think if I could go back and, and during, during my coaching days, even during my broadcasting days, uh, two or three things that jump out. Number one is have a, would, I would have a better understanding of the power of my spoken words and the tone of my spoken words and how that impacts people, how that impacts myself. Do the, are the words I'm using uh, in moments of frustration in moments of uncertainty, do they, are they, are, do they align with what God says or do I just spew stuff out of frustration that does not align with what he says? Uh, how I say things, the, the tone I use with people around me, I would have, I think, a much greater feel for in terms of the importance of it. Um, and, and that just comes from from growth and letting God speak to my heart and let me understand the importance of that. Uh, I, I, I think there's tremendous value I've learned over the years between coaching and broadcasting and an assistant coach, a head coach, 
of really understanding on a day-to-day basis as a leader, I'm either allowing this to happen underneath me or I'm teaching it to happen. And I think there's, man, there's so much value in that simple statement right there. Uh, no matter what you're in charge of uh, and, and, and you start evaluating how you're doing and how your company's doing, how your, how your uh, congregation's doing, just keep on going, whatever you're in charge of. Well, as the leader, are you teaching them to act like that? Or are you allowing them to act like that? I wish I would have had a better feel for that and the power of that uh, concept. And and then I think the other one would be forgiveness. Uh, I wrote a whole chapter in my book on forgiveness and have probably had more feedback and impact on readers in that one chapter than, than, than any other chapter. All of them have spoken to people, but that, that chapter on forgiveness and how resentment, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness can get into our heart and then how hard it is, how, how disciplined you have to be, how obedient to God's word has to come into play when you're getting that stuff out of your heart. Uh, I wish I would have had a better feel for those three areas I just talked about uh, throughout my entire career, whether I'm talking about my, my, my marriage career, as a dad career, as a coach career, as a broadcaster career, whatever career you want to throw in there, I wish I'd had a better feel for those three areas. It's a well-known fact that planting churches and campuses is the most effective way of reaching the lost. And launching in a rented venue like a school or a theater is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. So if you're planning to launch a church or a campus and trying to figure out how to do that really well in a rented space, we encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. The team at Portable Church Industries takes your vision and creates engaging environments around it that keep volunteer retention high and allow more energy to be spent on ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash lifeway to learn more and to find free customized resources that teach you how to launch portable and launch strong. Well, we've talked about, I know we've talked about the home and kind of what it looks like to lead in your home just a little bit, but I'd love to ask what is, if you could fill in a little bit more on that, what does leadership in your home look like these days? Well, a lot of it has to do with those three things right there. Certainly my voice, you know, and, and my, my voice in my home as, as the leader is huge. I think it's something that we all need to keep a, keep a pretty regular check on um, in terms of not only the words that we're using, the tone that we're using, the, the, the things we're saying about our circumstances in front of our wife and our daughter uh, or, or our sons, whatever, whoever that is in your family. Uh, I think that's critical. I think it really gets overlooked and, and undervalued in terms of our daily word choice and what we're saying about situations, what we're saying about hard times, what we're saying about good times. What are we really emphasizing with our voice as our leader? And that, that one, man, gets my attention a lot. Because uh, I'm not perfect in that area, I know my heart, my heart's desires to be perfect in that area, but it's not. It's not, and I, I call myself on it quite often. 
and find myself going back saying, I, I wish I would have said this differently. Uh, I think being the first to forgive uh, as a leader in any scenario is, is huge because that word, man, it can really jump on people and divide people and destroy teams and destroy congregations and destroy businesses, destroy relationships. And I think as a leader, you have to set that example and be the first to forgive and understand the power in that. So uh, those are the two things I think probably have my, the, the, the most attention for me right now in terms of leading my home. I know one of the things that uh, that's already come out in this interview, but also in the book is, you know, hard stops most people, but if you want to make progress, you can't run from hard. So yep. that, that concept of, Hey guys, be, be willing as a leader to push through the hard things. So right now church leaders are going through a time that is really, really hard. You know, the, the thing that we're most used to doing is gathering together on a, on a Sunday and, and they can't. And, you know, some of them have, have found a way to neutralize the situation. Um, but and we all think, oh, well, everything that has been done or, or can be done has been done before. So I want you to think back the last, you know, 20, 30 years that you've been involved in uh, college basketball. Is there a moment in time or a moment or two in time where, you know, up until this point in time, this was the way you played the game and um, everybody thought, you know, this is the way it's done and there's nothing new. And then something comes into scene and it's like, how did we never see that before? This has completely, you know, changed the game. Is there, is there been any moments in time like that? Well, there's been a lot of them just in terms of how the game is played, especially offensively, different, different schemes, all those things, same way in football that, you know, just the different styles that have, that have grown and changed over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, I don't think that's the heart of your question though. I, I, I think, uh, what has changed is the value that coaches now put on relationship with their players. Uh, over the years, 20 years ago, that relationship was not nearly as important, nearly as, as well thought out of, well, designed, however you want to describe it, as it is now. Uh, and that should speak to all of us in terms of how important relationships are. And that, that only comes through intentional time, intentional love, intentional giving, learning to love those that are hard to love, learning to forgive those that are hard to forgive. But that relationship dynamic in all of sports has changed tremendously the last 10 years, tremendously, like it has changed the entire landscape of athletics from, from the NBA level to college to high school to junior high. And if it's changed the dynamics of sports and how coaches interact with players, it has to impact us off of sports as well in, in terms of how we relate with everybody on a day-to-day -day basis. And no matter what team, what congregation, what business you're leading, that has to be very, very high on the list of priorities for individuals. Uh, and that trickles all the way down to just the, the simple dynamic of the relationships in your home and how intentional you have to be these days to stay on top of those and be creative in those. So 
And you, 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 you started your question with hard stops most people and it does. And that's, that's something that's your, your stubbornness, your pride, your whatever could keep you from knocking that door down and continuing to build relationships in new ways, but it has to be done. And it's not going to be a, an easy, natural thing for some people, but uh, man, the benefit of it, uh, the, the, how God will move in those situations is tremendous. It's enormous. It's unlimited, but it all starts with, a with, a, the, having the discipline in your life to do it. All right. Well, I'm going to move us into our, uh, our last question for the sake of time. There's all kinds of questions that are popping up into our heads, I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self about, you know, leadership? What, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Uh, I think to be more aggressive in learning and studying others, you can learn so much from other people. You can learn how not to do things, which is just as important as how to do things. Uh, I, I would go back to that time and be a whole lot more, uh, aggressive in my mindset, the discipline of studying others, learning from others, uh, re- reading more, listening more, all, all those things that, that we're all probably trying to do right now as we sit here and visit. Uh, but I think that's huge. I think embracing change, not being afraid of seeing the weakness or the areas in your life that probably in, in, in my terms, in my book, don't grade out really well on my game film of my life. Uh, and instead of ignoring those things, running from those things, not wanting to stand up and have a clear, honest evaluation of those things in my life, I would have started that process a lot earlier and been further down the path than I am right now. But it's, as you guys know, it's never too late to do that. And I've seen my book speak to the hearts of some 70 year old guys that I heard from uh, earlier this week that are using it in a, in a study uh, with uh, they're, they're leading a Bible study and they're using this book to work through right now. Um, I heard the same things from them. I wish I'd have taken the time to really be more honest with myself over the years. And I've heard it from college athletes have had have picked up the book as well. So that's where I would go to is just being a whole lot more uh, aggressive with the discipline of learning. Well, that's a great discipline. And I think we all can use some room of, of improvement in that area, but really do appreciate that. Before we, we do wrap up, I do want to ask you, and this is very relevant to where we are. Who did you have winning the tournament oh. this year if the tournament did happen? <laughs> Who was your pick? Yeah. I had, you know what? I had, I had four or five teams that I thought had the best chance to get to the final four, that would be Kansas. Uh, they were ranked number one at the end of the season. I think a lot of teams would have picked them to win it all. I'm not sure I would have picked them to win the whole thing, but I think they could have gotten to the final four. I love Gonzaga. They were the best offensive team in the country. I thought Dayton was the real deal. Like they're not in a power five conference. Yeah. But they were a really, really good team that could beat anybody out there. I love Florida State because I trusted their size. I trusted their defense. Is probably Leonard Hamilton's best offensive shooting team that he's ever had. So I thought I thought they could have gotten there. Uh, I was a big fan of Seton Hall. I had him in the Bahamas back in November, and they had a tremendous player in Miles Powell. So 
those have been the five teams that I would have probably had my eyes on the most. So uh, I get a lot of emails about that from time to time. Uh, and, uh, uh, so you can go to my website. It's coachjimmydykes.com. You, you guys, the first, this is the first podcast I've been on or radio interview that I've actually announced this. It's uh, so, and as we were talking, the doorbell rang, you heard that doorbell ring. That was my publisher uh, shipping me. I think it's probably like 200 books out there sitting on my front step right now. But if you go to my website and order that book off of my website, uh, I'm going to take the time here the next two or three days to personally write a note and sign every one of those books. And you can go there and, and, and get a uh, get, get a book and get one that's been personally signed by me. So I'm the you're, you're, you guys are the first one to hear that to hear that announcement about that on your on your uh, on our on our podcast today with you guys. So that that's there right now at coachjimmydykes.com. Well, that's fantastic. If you're listening to this and you want to check out the book, which I'm sure you do, make sure to head over there. Try to be one of the first 200 because that's a an awesome opportunity. And Jimmy, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day and, and sharing about kind of the heart behind your book and just also walking through the five leadership questions with us. And we really do appreciate you being on. Yeah, you guys were tremendous. I enjoyed our time. I hope we stay connected going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can come back. Thanks. Come back anytime. All right, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. And if you would head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so other leaders like yourself can find the podcast and we'll see you next time.